So for this week's sermon, and I sat down to think about planning, I was feeling a little bit lazy. So I thought I'd ask Alexa what she knew about Psalm 127. And she told me that it was the 127th chapter of the book of Psalms, which wasn't especially helpful. So on some proper research, I discovered that this is the only Psalm of Ascent that's attributed to Solomon. Now it might have been written by him or it might have been written for him. The overall theme was reminding the pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem that all of life's securities and blessings are a gift from God. So it's split into two stanzas or sections. They have distinct but related themes. It's about life at work and life at home. So in the same way, today's reading is split into two sections to reflect the different sections of the psalm. The first is about work and the second is about home. So our reading today is from Psalm 127 and that's verses 1 to 5. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand and watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The Bible reading is taken from the book of Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5. Children are a heritage of the Lord, offsprings a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? What makes going to work or caring for the kids or doing the housework, or studying at school or college, worth it? What motivates you? Well, obviously there are bills to pay, meals to cook, exams to take, but what is it in your heart that gets you going? So common motivations, greed, the desire to accumulate stuff, guilt, I feel like I'll have failed if I don't get done today what I should, or glory, the need for other to, others to notice and give me recognition or reward that I feel I deserve and I feel that I've earned. So this psalm was written not to focus on praise and thanksgiving, not to weep over past sins, not to recount Israel's history, but to help us see how life is or how it should be. There's a Latin motto, Nisi Dominus Froster. Now my Latin's a bit rusty or to be honest, non-existent, but it means without the Lord, frustration and it's taken from the verse first verse of this psalm so here's a trivia question does anyone know which city that is the motto for pop your answer in the chat if you think you know Without God in every part of our lives, there is no point. The effort we put in by ourselves is worthless. This week's sermon title is Whose Church Are We Building? We'll be looking at how God needs to be in our work and in our homes. And all of that is relevant to building church too. 
While we're going through an incredibly challenging time right now, it's presented us with an amazing opportunity to look at what church, and I mean all churches, is really all about and how God wants to build something spectacular as we move forward. By the way, the city which has the Latin motto above the gates is Edinburgh. I'm fortunate enough to be able to work at home during the lockdown. The commute is pretty good, although sometimes the traffic on the landing can be bad in the mornings. It does mean I spend a lot of time in this office. I plan from here, I hold meetings here, and I teach from here. And in these circumstances, it's easy for work, both my secular work and my work for the church, to take over the whole week, eat into family time, and eat into time with God more than it should. So the temptation for me as a logical person is to split the day into sections. Time for work, time for family, time for church stuff, and time for God. But that's not the point either. The first part of the psalm makes the point that work without God is empty, that God needs to be in everything that we do, not just the specific God segments of our lives. The word vain is used three times in the first two verses. The dictionary definition of vain is producing no result, useless, which is pretty demoralising. Verse 1 talks about the work of a builder and a watchman being in vain, useless without God. The work of a builder is hard. Building a house is hard work. I've decided on many occasions that I'm not designed for hard manual work. We had an extension built many years ago and just being slightly involved in that was enough for me. If God is not in the hard work that we do, whether that be manual or not, then the effort is an empty one. Hard work is no substitute for God's presence in it. So in the time that this psalm was written, the cities would have had watchmen posted on the city walls. This was an important job. It was the security of the city and that depended on their vigilance. But the watchman's alertness was no guarantee of security if the Lord didn't watch over the city. So if we believe that work is worthless without God, then we need to put that into practice in our own lives. Verse 1 describes a builder and a security guard, and verse 2 describes a workaholic. So what's a workaholic? Someone who works themselves to exhaustion by getting up early, going to bed late. This kind of relentless activity is a recipe for disaster. There's also an indication of idolatry. The people described in this verse work themselves to exhaustion and starve themselves of any true satisfaction because they're looking for their jobs or what they can buy with their income to give security and meaning to life. The word used for toil here is the same word that was used when Eve was told her pains in childbearing would be severe. This is not good, hard work and honest job. This is curse-filled, painful toil. So God grants sleep to those he loves. And workaholics can see sleep as a necessary evil. And I've been guilty of that over the years. Staying up late or getting up in the middle of the night to work or lying awake while I'm desperately planning the next day or chewing over decisions or problems. If I'm honest, there's a bit of that going on in my life right now. And we need to see sleep as a gift from God, not an intrusion into our schedules or a waste of time. Sleep is the time that God gives us to rejuvenate our bodies. And if we're diligent in doing our work, there'll be enough time to accomplish what God wants us to do and to rest properly as well. And sleep is not easy for a lot of people, myself included. So here's a thought, and I am the first to admit that this is not a quick fix. 
If we recognise sleep as a good gift from God, then it becomes an act of faith. We're saying, I am not God. I am not in control. And that's okay. I'm going to lie down, go to sleep and become as helpless as a baby. Everything will be all right because my Heavenly Father is in charge. So Claire, in the first week of this series, spoke on, on this verse, Psalm 121, um, just the end of verse 3 and into verse 4. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God never sleeps, so you and I can. He doesn't want us to be permanently exhausted, physically or emotionally. So if this is an area of issue for you, then feel free to ask one of the hosts to pray with you. Just click the live prayer button in the chat box and somebody will connect with you privately. So God wants to fill all of our lives with his presence. And that means our work, whatever that work is, as well. Our occupation is a calling from God, not a calling to be God. It's a commission. We need to pray and work and work and pray. Prayer by itself won't build a city. It won't secure a city. It won't balance an account. It won't advise a customer. It won't teach a class or any of the other activities that we do at work. But equally, God won't be in any of those activities without prayer. We need to pray for the ability to do our jobs and do them in a way that reflects the principles of a biblical work ethic. Honesty, integrity and justice. So the link between the two parts of this psalm is the contrast from empty to full. From empty work to a full quiver. Both sections of the psalm essentially teach the same truth. Life at work without God is pointless, and so is life at home. Children are a gift from God. Verse 3 says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. So in the early part of the Old Testament, the word heritage is used many times. It's also translated as inheritance. The promised land was the inheritance given by God. But somebody needs to occupy the land, and so children are another part of that inheritance. So if this is all true, then none of us deserve to have children. God doesn't give us children because he sees what wonderful parents will make, and the children themselves may well agree with that. Fertility is not a matter of merit, which by the way, also means that infertility is not a punishment. But how are children like arrows? Well, an arrow is a warrior's means of protection and defence. So in this example, the sons would have gone to the city gates where disputes and other legal issues would have been sorted. They would have defended their father and sought justice for him. So children are called to honour their father and their mother. And as parents, it's our duty to protect our children. But it's more than that. God intends for our children to point us to him. Firstly, by reminding us that the children are a gift from God. God created us in his image, and so our children are reflecting his image in our homes. Secondly, there's a reminder that God who gave us these children is a father too. Our children are a reminder of the fact that he willingly gave his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross as a punishment, not for his sin, but ours. And as we give our children protection and security, it's a reminder that God is our ultimate source of protection. Our homes are empty without God. 
Without him, we can't expect our families to provide all the joy and satisfaction that we desire in life. Just have a think about how unfair that would be. Son, daughter, wife, husband, I would like you to be my God. Please me in every way. Make my life complete and fulfilling. Bring me ultimate happiness and delight that will never end. That's completely unrealistic. Nobody, no matter how much they love you, can fulfill that requirement. The only way our lives can be truly complete is if we have God in every aspect of them. We need to fill our homes with God, with his word, with worship and with prayer. So when we were unfortunate enough to experience a break-in a few years ago, one of the first things our church friends did was to come and pray with us in every room of the house. It was a powerful moment and it was a reminder of the importance of having God in the very centre of our home. So back to the title of this sermon, Whose Church Are We Building? And if we've proved anything over the last few months is that the church, and by that I mean the wider church, is so much more than buildings. While church buildings have been closed, the church most definitely has not been. It's a cliche, but church is the people. It's about how we care for one another and for our communities, taking God's compassion and message of hope to those who desperately need it. So many churches across the globe have stepped up to the challenge. NCC has been very much among them. If God isn't present in every part of our lives, then the actions that we take are just that, kind actions. What we can offer is so much more. So as we start to think about life after lockdown, we have an opportunity to evaluate what's important in our own lives, but also the life of the church. We need to be praying and asking God what he wants the church to look like when we come out the other side. We need to make sure that he's at the very heart of everything that we do. Nisi Dominus Fruster, without the Lord, frustration. Psalm 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. So now we're going to share communion together. And we can use this as a chance to consider whether God really is in every aspect of our lives or whether we partition bits off. Firstly, if you'd like prayer about anything you've heard today or just want to ask questions, you can click the live prayer button and one of the hosts will chat with you privately. So when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our sins onto himself so that we can have that relationship with God, that he can be in every aspect of our lives. So the bread and the wine or whatever you have to hand, are symbols of that sacrifice. A chance for us to take a moment to thank him for all that he did and acknowledge that we need him in all parts of our lives. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for everything that you did on the cross. I thank you that you died when you didn't need to. You died to save me from my sins. And I pray that we can just use these moments to spend a bit of time thanking you for that and also reflecting on whether we really truly do allow you into every part of our lives. And I pray that you'll give us the confidence where we've partitioned bits of our lives off to allow you in and take control. Amen.